This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hi, and welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name's Martine and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of the show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help, and then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who's an active member of AA. Now I'm going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Hi, my name's Penny and I'm an alcoholic. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denominations, politics, organisations or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So, what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as the sufferer of cancer. If you're an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think that sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it's an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one's too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. We're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. I wonder if our guests would like to introduce themselves and just tell us a bit about who you are. Hi, my name's Penny and I'm an alcoholic. I come from a large family. Mm-hmm. 
the youngest of 13. Wow. Um, there wasn't much fun at home. <laughs> it was all hard work at right. home. Mother was an alcoholic, possibly dry drunk. Yeah. Dad was definitely a wet drunk. <laughs> um, chaotic, chaotic at home. Absolutely. Not enough good stuff. Right. And what about you? What about your, you've got a family? I have one son. Mm-hmm. He's uh, late 20s. Mm-hmm. And can I ask you how old you are? I'm 60 this month. And where are you from? Where did you grow up? Wellington. Uh-huh. And you grew up in Wellington? Yes. Great. I wonder if you could tell us about about your drinking and, and your very first experience and then how it progressed. Oh, I don't remember my first experience. Um, I, I kind of remember when I found alcohol, but I don't know when it was. Right. And it had that euphoria effect. I loved it. Right. I thought this is what I've been waiting for. Yeah. Um, and my alcoholism absolutely grew, blossomed right. from there. <laughs> so how did, how did it progress? What Did you sort of go from being maybe like a, a social drinker to a... Um, to a, a somebody who drank alone, did you binge drink? Were you an everyday drinker? What sort of drinker? I think I was. Um, I, I think I was excessive right from food would go. Right. There was money I had to to get to to buy more. Um, there was liquor land accounts. Right. You know, I thought I'd never ever want to go without alcohol once yeah. I had that taste. So, um, you know, money was easy in those days. So I just opened an account and. Didn't have to worry about, you know, it was one account I definitely paid. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, some people say that they think that they were born alcoholic. Do you, do you think that that, that was true of you? Wouldn't have a clue. Right. Wouldn't have a clue whether I was born that way or not. But you, you said that around the first time, it was really the, the feeling that alcohol gave you was really. It took away the pain. Right. Of, of my life. Right. So, you know, it was like, Yes. Yeah. So obviously your drinking progressed, and what was it like at the end? Uh, I remember when I was gave up the day, it was like I, I shifted cities. I was born in Wellington, yeah, and I did all my drinking, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of my drinking in the Wellington area. And I must have had a premonition that I wanted to give up. So I moved down to Christchurch to mellow out. Yeah. And they were my words even then. So I couldn't open a liquor land account down here. Why not? They wouldn't let me. Right. Um, I didn't have the tax-free jobs that I had in Wellington. Right. Which I didn't tell them I didn't have those, but things definitely changed. I wanted change. How would, how would, how would alcohol made you feel towards the end? When I came down to Christchurch, it was it just wasn't the same. Whether it was because I didn't know the area, didn't have the mates, um, but I came down here to change. So it was it just wasn't working. So you you th- and I didn't have the money. I didn't have the the tax free jobs that I had right in Wellington. So I didn't have didn't have the resources that I had in Wellington. But I knew that when I came down here, I had to change. Right. So you. It, it sounds as though at some point you knew that the way that you were drinking was a problem. Is that right? I didn't blame it on drinking then. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you blame it on? 
I feel had my life you'd do it. Right, yeah. So I, I just knew I needed a change. Yeah. So when I got here, like I said, I didn't have the contacts. Yeah. I didn't know the area. I couldn't open a little land account. Yeah. So things had to change. I just, um, I remember <coughs> a friend who I used to drink with, he got sober. Oh, okay, yeah. I used to think he was absolutely fantastic when he was drunk. Oh, okay. But when he got sober, he was really, really fantastic. Right. The the glow, the glow from him, the the new life that he had was just, it, it wasn't quite contagious, but it was shining. Right. And I thought, wow, if that's what they look like in Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm going. Right. <laughs> and and I, I very often remember that. So that's what kind of like drew me to Alcoholics Anonymous was this man that I'd seen um, drunk and then get sober yeah. and, and, and the change in his life. Yeah. So had you stopped drinking before you started going to AA meetings? I went to Hamner. Okay. Yeah. And can you tell us about that? So um, I wanted what this man had. Uh, I didn't know much at all. I just knew I had to leave my background and, and yeah. start afresh. Yeah. So that's where it started. It didn't happen instantly, but it didn't take long. And I ended up in Hamner. So you're at the Queen Mary Rehab in Hamner when you say you ended up. And can you tell us about that? Can't really remember how it came about. I, I know I went to counselling for being abused and I thought that was the biggest problem. Yeah. Um, and maybe... Um, Hamner came through that, you know, talking. It's like, well, yes, you know, I do drink or I have drunk. Yeah. And I go to Hamner. Um, I, I called myself a family member. I remember calling myself a family member. Didn't have an alcohol problem. Right. When I got to Hamner, it was a six-week program. Yeah. And it was just contagious and and free and non-abusive and liberating I, I guess yeah there, there was there was hope you know when I actually decided to change there was hope yeah it's a massive thing that hope isn't it and because I I had that too and it really um I wasn't expecting it but when you get it it, it is so life-changing I think so it was so light as yeah. well you know it wasn't that heavy baggage that I was carrying it was so light I, I just thought this is what I want yeah uh, right, so, um, so how do you think? Um, how do you think in the twenty-seven years that you've been sober? How do you think that you've stayed sober? Meetings, right? Meetings, and more meetings. Um, <coughs> absolutely stuck to the fellowship. Yeah, absolutely stuck to the fellowship. Um, letting go of the past. Not, not. I was, I was holding it all the time. You know, right? Letting go of the past and and learning. Like, you can have that if you want. You know, they say misery is optional. So yeah. if, if I want that, I can just have it. Yeah. So that keeps me on track. Yeah. So do you still go to lots of meetings? Yes. And you've done the steps? Yes. How Can you tell us your experience, how you found doing the steps? Um, I, don't, I don't know how I did them. It was like... It wasn't compulsory, but I knew that this was the ingredients that you needed. Right, yeah. Um, I, I do believe, like, 
letting go it was it was a blame game at the time you know yeah. I, I still blamed you know if you had my life you'd do this too and hmm. okay could you tell us about um how you feel about your life at the moment how you see it how it's different from the life that you had when you were drinking i can drive a car yeah <laughs> i i think i drove a few over the cliff deliberately yeah without me in it um you know when i was drinking because that's just what we did you yeah. know we just rolled cars and things like that um i'm honest yeah i stole heaps and heaps i was a thief my attitude my big attitude it was like if you had my life you'd do this too yeah you know i, I still have my life i just don't do what i used to do you know i i don't want yeah i don't want what i had so I had to change. Yeah. And and if bad things happen to you now, what are some of the mechanisms you use to cope with bad stuff? Because obviously alcohol is no longer an option. Most of us would automatically just straight reach for the bottle when things start going bad. What sort of things do you do now if you... I reach for a friend. Right. Um, a journal. Yeah. Um, I'll go to a meeting. I, I stick totally inside the, the realms of... Yeah. The fellowship. So AA is described as a spiritual program. Um, can you tell us what spirituality means to you? The first time I believe I experienced spirituality was um, these lovely foster parents in my um, childhood days, teenage days. They were as gentle as anything. I didn't <coughs> last long there because I wasn't into gentle at the time. Yeah. Um, so spirituality to me is that, that, that gentleness, that, that kindness, that unconditional love. Nice. What would, you, what would you suggest for any listeners who think that they may um, have a drinking problem? What advice do you think you'd give to them? Be honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I didn't like people say, look how much you drink. Yeah. So I wouldn't throw that at them yeah. because I didn't like it. Yeah, it would be be honest with yourself. What do you think makes AA work? The freedom. The freedom to be yourself. It's not um you're in the brown chair today. Yeah. It's it's not like that. It's the freedom to be yourself. You know, you could I came in here and, and I could cry. I wasn't allowed to cry before, you know. You got you got the bash. If you want to cry I'll give you something to cry about. Yeah. Um the freedom to to say these things, to have a choice. I, I don't believe I had many choices as a child. Yeah. And, and came in here and had choices. I found, for me, I found, um, I found being in a room and being honest for the first time about things that I'd lied about and I'd held really closely to me because I felt that I had to because it was my alcoholism and I didn't want anyone to know about it. So I guess for me that was um, that was a freedom that, that I got for it from, um, from going. If, if you had someone and they said to you, I think I need help, um, if there was a question that you could get them to ask themselves so they could work out for themselves whether they have a drinking problem, you know, because we never tell people um, whether they do or not, that's, you know, if that's for the person to decide, what question do you think you would get them to ask themselves themselves about their drinking? Today I, I, 
I'm still a finger pointer in some ways. It's like, you know, I don't know if it's a question. It's like I'm, I'm quite straight in aspects. It's like, you know what's going on in your life. I don't, I don't have that right to call you an alcoholic. Um, I can suggest that you might be drinking too much. Yeah. <laughs> but you know. I, I, I don't believe I kind of knew I was an alcoholic, but I knew my drinking was not normal. Yeah. But I couldn't stop it. So I, I just think that, you know, people, people know what they're doing. I was having a conversation the other day with, um, with some other alcoholics and we were talking, you'd mentioned it earlier, you, when you were talking about um, your first experience drinking and you said it filled the hole. There was something, you were talking around the empty hole that alcoholics often refer to and this is what I was talking about the other night. And one of the things that we were saying was, isn't it interesting that we all felt that we had a hole or something that alcohol filled, and yet when you stop drinking and you go to AA, we were saying we don't think that that hole exists anymore. You don't, you don't go back to who you were. The hole's missing. Is that how, is that how you feel about your alcoholism? Yeah, I've never heard that before. It was like the hole was filled with God. It was filled with love. And, and there wasn't that. In the, in the past, it was filled with hope. You know, you could, I, I didn't believe in God before, you know, and, and God was good orderly direction. Yeah. Group of drunks. I, I had people that were like me that had been through what I'd been through as a child and an adult, and they could relate. And there was nods. Yeah. And there was, mm, yep. Can you tell us how you've, Assuming that you've you found your concept of God within AA, within the AA program, can you tell us about that? The first time I met God was with a set of foster parents, and they were the most gentlest people that I'd ever, ever met. And I was the most roughest person that ever met. I I couldn't I couldn't stay there, but I I remember the unconditional love that they had. Yeah. Um. And that was probably the first time I'd really experienced God. Yeah. And, and yeah, I didn't think about God at all after that. But now you talk about it, it's like, well, that's where my God was, those lovely, gentle people that just took me in. What do you think the difference between um, religion and spirituality is? To me, I haven't had a lot to do with religion, uh, and I see it as controlled where yeah. spirituality isn't. If if somebody was to come into an AA meeting and they would see one of our banners with the word God on it, if that bothered them or if they were a bit feeling a bit uncomfortable about it, what would you say to them? You could see it as good orderly direction mm-hmm. or it's a group of drunks. Lovely, thanks. So I'd like to um, thank you, Penny, for coming on to the radio show with us today. Oh, that's not a problem. For our listeners, if you've related to anything you've heard or you'd like some information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up at the web at www.aa.org.nz or you can call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear more from AA members sharing their experiences. Our show is every Monday at 5.30 on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on, Plains, on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz 
or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business but if you want to stop, we can help and you don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with a serenity prayer as we do at every AA meeting. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the distance. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.